0: Welcome into the Morning Burrito podcast at noon on Wednesday. That still sounds weird. I know. Yeah, we sound strange, but that's okay. Yep. Well, welcome in. I'm Michael. I'm Eric, and we are excited to be with you this afternoon. I almost said it. I you almost did. said morning. I was waiting. I for said it. it. I was waiting for it. You need to drink coffee. No. Never. I, I don't even my, I don't even water here. I got my coffee, my new stand mug. It's great. Our friend Kelly made that. Yeah, not the same great, Kelly that you guys know that you've right. seen another Kelly. Right. We have a lot of Kelly's. I almost in our said church. the female version, but that's not true either. <laughs> well, I mean it's spelled different. It is spelled different. Yeah. Kelly with two E's. True. But then again, we have two Kelly's in our church with two E's. One is a male, one's a female. That's that <laughs> so, true. So that, Yeah, yeah. We are weird, yeah, weird. Well, that's okay. Hey, uh, so we did not tell you a couple weeks ago what our topic was going to be at the next in the next episode. So let me tease that topic for you. This, this tease afternoon. away. We are going to talk about cultural sin. Oh, baby. So you know we've talked about I'm how so this, this show is about where culture and the church collide sometimes, and this is going to be one of those areas where. Uh, sorry not sorry what we may we may say something that you don't like but that's okay yeah and you know it's one of those things where it really shouldn't be even a topic no but it is and it is a very serious topic these days um the 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 cultural sin uh, that we see around us so <laughs> buckle up your seat belts because we're in for a ride today enjoy that lunch hour let's have fun All right, welcome in to the Morning Burrito podcast at noon, and uh, I am really excited to be here with you. Um, hey, I am too. Uh, we missed you last week. I was uh, here. Well, we were on, but we weren't actually <laughs> oh. here. We have to be honest. We did not have a live show last week. You're right, it was You're recorded. Right. In fact, we both kind of even forgot about it. You know what's funny is we recorded it only because I was preparing for what we're going to talk about in a second breakthrough conference with our students. Um, so we recorded it to yeah. make sure that, you know, as I was doing preparation that I wasn't going to be available, I might not be available and we didn't want to, you know, not right. be able to record or do it live and not have a recording. So it turned out that that was a really wise decision um, because unfortunately you had to flee uh, the state yeah. of Oregon in yeah. on Friday, the the Week two Fridays before. ago. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to just fill us in, um, you know, where, where you were and what happened and, you know, what what details you want to share. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those family phone calls that everybody dreads to get. Um, got the phone call, dad's in the hospital, you know, heart issues, heart problems. And, um, you know, it's kind of a fairly new thing for us. Um, I didn't go a few weeks earlier when he had some issues, but this was a little more serious. So, yeah, I got the call whatever time and hopped on the first flight in the morning and Thought I'd be gone for you know two three days and it would be ten or like nine days, ten days. So uh, yeah, just got back and here it is a third day of spring and Dad's doing better. He's home and got the home healthcare team coming every day and yeah, you uh, out, So you you were there till Sunday and um, yep. we uh, we had some some great times uh, here um, even in your absence on Sunday mornings. The last couple weeks have been great um, and then the student ministry here. Excuse me. At uh, at Hermnas, we, we we left and went to Breakthrough Conference up yep. in Yakima, Washington, and uh, it was just awesome. I I was able to coordinate the event, and uh, it was a lot of work. It was very exhausting, and still recovering. But uh, man, it was cool to see God work and do things in student students' lives, and and even more than that, we got to serve, and we got to serve in multiple different areas at a at a house that's owned by the gospel union mission. Um, and then also uh, a couple schools in their area and then gave out care packs to some homeless yeah. folks in Yakima. So it was really good. And it didn't drive you to drinking coffee yet. So no, I didn't yeah, drink any coffee. Yeah. Do a couple more of those. You might, <gasps> although I, I would say, your daughter says that she got about 10 hours combined between the three nights that we were there. I don't know if I got a 10. I'm, I might've got seven and a half total in three days. It's good. Hours of sleep. That's so it was good. Pre- those pretty- are like golden moments. Yeah, it you is. know, it's air cold. mattresses for fat guys like me not good. <laughs> um, I I don't like them. You know, have you ever had that feeling where the air mattress makes you really hot because it's plastic? Oh and, yeah, and, and nasty. Then, but then the room is like really cold, so you got cold sweat going on, and it's just awful. Yeah, that's where I was that's all chill. three nights. It was bad. I just was sweating on my back, and my chest was cold, and I'm like, "Man, this is awful." That's like youth ministry, though. <laughs> well, it is. In my experience, it has certainly been youth ministry every every day of every hour of my life. Well, it's been it's been, it's been good. It's been good. It's good to have you guys gone. Good to have you enjoy that with the students, and um, and then even I mean, I guess going back to Michigan, I met my dad's new wife for the first time a little yeah. awkward um because we're in the hospital hadn't met her before sure so not really the greatest way to no, not really to meet to say, hey, your uh, dad's wife hi and i'm eric you know <laughs> anyway. well especially when you have to walk into the hospital with a mask on so you know, i, I could have been anybody you could have yeah, been anybody. anybody so well hey uh we are glad to have you back it is a great thing that your dad is doing better um and we'll just keep praying that that keep praying. continues um and uh, for those of you who know my mom, uh, she also is in recovery from a pretty significant back surgery. So uh, I know some of you have been have been praying for her, and I appreciate that. Um, she's getting better every day, um, but, you know, some days are struggle more struggle than others. Uh, I do have another piece of announcement that uh, I'm really excited about. I just want to publicly say this for my sister's sake because she'll hate it. Um, I am so proud of my sister. She finished her course of study program in the Church of the Nazarene. Nice. Got the certificate from Nazarene Bible College to prove it, and so she is She is done. She's going to be ordained uh, n- next month, April or May, something like oh, that. Cool. So my sister's That's going to be an exciting. ordained elder in the Church of Nazarene and really excited about yeah. that. So, Jessica, I love you, and I'm proud of you. So, oh, and he uh, has a tear for you, too. That's good. <laughs> Shut up. You're such a good brother. <laughs> So hey, but you know what I love about our church though, like what's for that? both of us, because I know I know they they prayed for you and for your mom and your family, but um, just being the recipient of these last you know nine or ten days or so of our church praying you know for me and for my family, one thing that happened when we interviewed here when Sharon and I interviewed to come to Naz was uh, they asked what's important to you, and we said we need a church that prays for their their pastor mm. and the pastor's family, and they said oh we do that. Well, we've heard that before, you know, all churches say that liars is what they are. Right. (laughs) It's like, yeah, right. If a church did said that they didn't pray for their pastor, that would make a really easy decision for a pastor. They're not going to come. But um, but so we heard that uh, and we felt it was really genuine from their heart, Mm -hmm. that leadership team that was here at that time. And uh, even now, I mean, seven years into it, um, you know, they've they've lived up to it. So, church, thank you on our behalf for praying for us and our families and our kids. And, um, you know, we're just uh, we're just humans and men and we have the same struggles everybody else has and it's just cool to sit there in those moments of banging your head on the wall not knowing what is gonna happen in life and you get that text message hey just praying for you praying for your your family praying for your dad and um, yeah can't say thank you enough for that so that's yeah. pretty cool I actually I was telling you yesterday um, one of our one of our men in the church came and embraced me and gave me a big bear hug on Sunday morning because I was I was definitely feeling like I was not ready and able to do what I needed to do to preach and and whatnot. Because um, you sleeping on an air mattress and they're all sweaty. <laughs> that's right. But you know, that's that's the kind of church we have. They just ab- embrace you with a bear hug and tell you they love you and they, they appreciate you and that's you know who you are. That's it was just yep. it was great. So good. Well, let's go into this. So we've kind of been avoiding it. We've been we've been delaying a little bit here. Um, cultural sin is a bigger issue than just individual sin. Not that it's any worse or any better than regular individual sin that you and I may have, um, but it is a bigger problem for our culture, for our world. And so we're going to try and talk about that, define what it is, and talk about some solutions and where uh, the scripture actually (laughs) hits this head on because again we stand on the word of God we stand on scripture we we stand on what God has said um, when it comes to uh, sin and and just how we're supposed to live which happens to be our new theme for the year stand stand so it's even on a coffee mug cool cool sword just saying soon to come on tattoos and everything else do do you know what kind of you know what kind of sword that is it's a um, it's a big one called a crusader sword a crusader sword yeah i think i didn't know that you got it on your arm i don't mine's just a cross you got the short little one yeah i have a stubby cross Mm. because i'm a stubby guy i didn't say that (laughs) (laughs) all right so let's let's jump in (laughs) this is off to a great start Mm -hmm. define cultural sin for us define cultural sin well i guess let's define what culture what is culture so so I think we get mixed up with what culture is. We feel like culture is like it, right? Because we're part of it. We're part of life. But really, culture is is secondary to to life. Um, you know, you already alluded to it that we are. First of all, God created the heavens and the earth. God created creation, right? I mean, it's creation that is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, culture is second. And what I mean by that is 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 everything God created in Genesis. You know, by just speaking, it's like he spoke it and boom, there it was. Um, and in Sunday, we're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, there's there's one aspect to creation that God actually physically um, got in and physically got dirty with, and that was creating us. Um, because even though we live in culture, culture is not the most important thing. It's We have to understand that our foundation is, first of all, we were created and we're, we're part of creation. Um, we're not, um, we weren't part of culture. Culture hadn't existed. Everything that's happened after creation is, is culture. So creation is first. So our fads, our language, our lifestyles, our careers, our families, how we do relationships, how we how we breathe air, um, even right down to like I lived in the medical world this last week, right down to the medical sciences of life. Um, that's all secondary. Um, that's all part of culture. It's not mm-hmm. part of creation, and uh, and so it's important for us to to look at how we define culture. Um, culture is not creation. Um, culture is what we've done with creation, um, and that. We've, we've done some good things with creation, and we've done some bonehead things with creation. So, so if we if we dive into cultural sin, would it then stand to reason based on your—I mean, I think that was a great definition, way to define culture. Cultural sin is sin, so sin that is defined in the Bible, that that is an act or a thing that we do that separates us from God. Um, that cultural sin, then, is a sin that is promoted, encouraged— um, uh, yeah, so promoted and encouraged by the culture that the culture has gone so far away from God, that it is promoting and encouraging sinful patterns, lifestyles, uh, and actions. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So cultural sin is the promoting and the, the encouraging of the people within that culture to then sin. Um, and we can see this in all kinds of different ways, you know, and, in, in different tribes across the world where you know cutting people's heads off and stuff is is a thing or or sacrificing animals is a thing that's that's a cultural sin that is a sin that is created by the culture around it right Um, and it's encouraged and produced by the the culture Um, while there are individual acts that make that up it is the culture that is doing it is causing it correct Okay, and, and I think we want to jump in here and just kind of throw out there just for today's conversation. Got to remember that the, the whole reason why we're here today is to to not solve the issue of cultural divides, but just to bring light to something that I think is just really it's sad and it's silly both, and, and that is that we have to have a conversation many times over cultural issues when really the church really—why are we still talking about this? I mean, um, it was settled— You know, in the word of God, it was settled uh, with what Christ did on the cross and culture because of culture. We we still we still mess it up. And and so therefore we're still talking about some things today. So um, our job as Christians um, is to push back on culture with biblical sound teaching and uh, and making sure that our heart is is after transforming culture to a Christian perspective and Christian principles. Um, And that's offensive to our culture today. Sure. Right? I mean, we get offended about everything. So I'm sure from this point on in this conversation, we're going to probably say things that you're like just totally don't agree with. But I'm just going to say we're not called here to coexist with culture. We're here to transform culture. That's our call. Well and that's what God does. That's what our God is a transforming God. You can't stay the same. Nor can you accept culture in the way culture wants us to, you know, buy into their cultural beliefs. We just we, we can't. We're our calling is to transform their way of thinking. Um and it's sad because their way of thinking, culture's way of thinking, is literally transforming the church's thinking yeah and and there's the rub that's where today's conversation of culture in the church intersects and we're probably going to do a horrible job at trying to define some of this because we can't do all that in 30 minutes or 29.37 that we have left so yeah so and here's the thing too I, i i would also add that um i i would guess that there might be some of you that are immediately saying, well, why are you even talking about this? Because this is this these subjects that we're about to go into are off limits. They're not considered the, uh, politically correct to even just dis- to have the discussion about. And the reason that we are talking about it is because it's the churches not talking about it for some time now that has caused a lot of the cultural issues that we see today. Uh, the culture has shifted not because it was progress, progressing in a positive way, it was regressing in a very negative way. And we're actually going to show you an example of a uh, uh, couple towns that are in the Bible where this stuff existed long time ago, like really long time ago. So this is not something new. Uh, the things that we, we may discuss today are not new. Um, it, it's actually regressing. We're regressing back to... An old way of living life, a old way of doing things that is very carnal. It's very, it's very uh, flesh, as as Paul would put it, fleshly. We're we're we're, we're p- getting into our flesh as opposed to into the spirit, and so that's that's kind of where we're going to be today. Um, so here are just some examples. Go ahead and chime in if you got some other ones, but I've got I got. Just <laughs> oh, no, a I'm going to let you do this part. <laughs> here are some examples of what I would determine, and this is me speaking for myself. Cultural sins. Um, number one divisiveness the culture of divisive, the cultural divisiveness that we have created that you know it's not just about politics although that's a part of it um every it seems like every issue now people have to run to their polls right it used to be okay you know you're you're a michigan fan i'm a buckeye fan we run to our polls right and that's for fun it do i really not like you because you're a michigan fan well as long as you're not a jerk probably so probably not i don't i don't have a problem with you right Really, you saw that in sports. Not really any other serious ways in other places, other than politics. Now it's literally everything. Uh, the cars you drive. Well, I'm a I'm an American-made person. No, I drive you know foreign-made cars or whatever. I'm a Tesla electric car person. No, I, I drive a gas-guzzling pickup truck or whatever. I don't know. That we have these this divisiveness, and it is in the church. We've created mm-hmm. divisive. I like this style of worship. No, I like that style of worship. That's cultural sin, and that is not how believers are supposed to live their lives. We are not supposed to be that way. Again, hot button issue, homosexuality. Our our view of homosexuality is a cultural sin. The culture has told us that homosexuality and living that lifestyle is okay, and not just okay, it's normal, and it's it's what we're supposed to do. If, if that's how you're born, that's what you're supposed to do. That is contrary to Scripture. Scripture does not say that, and so— we we in the church not our church, but churches have, have taken that message to heart and it has now that cultural sin has crept into the church and the way the church behaves and operates. Transgenderism is obviously another hot button topic. We saw so, Leah Tom. So, so, so let me back up on that on that a little bit. You know, you say it's it's crept into the church. Um I think there's like probably two ways that it majorly has crept in. One is that um a lot of denominations, a lot of churches have accepted um, the sexual lifestyle like that to actually, you know, be embraced by the church. You know, they now are ordaining them as pastors, um, you know, board members, teachers, I mean, you know, right on down the road. I think that's 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 not even the dangerous part. Um, I think the most dangerous part of how it's crept in is we don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, sure. don't know, we, we don't know the word well enough to talk about um, and not just sexual sin, but just sin. Uh, in, in general, we, we haven't we have forgotten how to talk about it because like my grandparents, they could talk about it and and my my great grandparents, they could they could talk about it and everybody still got along. Um, but today we don't want to offend so we don't we don't talk. So I think that's more dangerous than actually the ordination of Sec, or the third thing would be is when we talk cultural sin, um, now this is this is where if you're watching, you're probably part of a church somewhere. Because when we talk about cultural sin, um, you're probably instantly going to uh, something sexual Um, because when we talk cultural sin, Christians, evangelicals, first thing we talk about is the sexual sin. Now you, we, you, your list didn't start with that intentionally. So, but intentionally, so it, it really is the first thing that goes to our mind. It's like, Whoa. So anyway, yeah. And, and when I get to my last one, it's actually more important than the other three. Um, but homosexuality is one transgenderism is one it's big in our culture right now. We're being told, and, and this will lead into the final one. It, we're being told that truth is no longer truth when it comes to gender that biological truth like l- literally i don't know how this is so confusing xy chromosomes xx chromosomes like they're l- legitimately different for, at a at a chromosomal level we are different human men and women it, it's not it's this this shouldn't be complicated but even in the church we're having a hard time having this discussion and it's because of cultural sin we're being told and normalized that it's okay that it is it is how we're born we're how we're created, which is, again, lies and distortions of truth. And so then the final one goes right along with this. The biggest, in my opinion, the biggest cultural sin that is happening right now is the elimination of foundational or absolute truth. That tr- mm-hmm. that truth itself is under assault. Those of you who were here last Sunday, you heard me talk about this in our sermon. It. Truth itself is literally under assault in our culture. We are being told that whatever we subjectively feel is objectively real, and that is nonsense. Uh, I used the example on Sunday. If I were to take your truck, I said it's. You're not okay. touching my truck. It's. It's. You think it's wrong for me to take your truck, but I think it's right for me I, to no, take. I think it's ta- deadly if you take my truck. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, but, but the world tells us that if I subjectively feel like I have a right to your truck. It doesn't matter if you subjectively feel that it's wrong. I still have a right to your truck because, you know, my perspective is just as important as yours. Well, that's that's nonsense and silly. But that's what our culture is teaching us and Mm -hmm. teaching the church and teaching our children. So that's why this topic matters. So you have some principles when we look at the culture before we can really start breaking this down. What are some principles that we need to be thinking about when it comes to the culture? Some principles. Well, I think one of the top principles that we need to keep in our minds is that that the word doesn't just talk about salvation. Um, we we think that Christ came on the cross, died, you know, gave his life, rose again, so we have eternity and live for him forever and ever in, in you know in his kingdom, all true on that. But there's more to the story, and the more to the story is that culture matters, um, and we're placed here to show that culture matters. So 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 one of the principles that we have to remember as as Christians, even though you may not agree with the sin of culture, you're called to be in the culture of sin. Um now I did not say you have to be, you know, worldly and I did not say you have to be in the sin, but you're in the culture of sin and what are you doing with it? Um and a lot of times we don't we, we've lost what you said, the absolute truth. We don't know how to talk about being in a culture of sin, um, we talked in pre-show a little bit about Moses and the Ten Commandments, and you know, don't build the idol. You know, he's up on there. You know, God's given him the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before me. When right down in the valley, they're they're <laughs> At building the same, these the same the same very time, same time, right? They're, they're building <laughs> the golden calf, and God's saying, "Don't build the golden calf." And <laughs> and and Moses comes back down the hill, and it's like the people don't know this, but yet they did know this—that God delivered them. You know, yeah, it wasn't that long before that that they they walked on the dry red sea floor. Yeah, and, and how quickly <laughs> so, they forgot. And then so Moses has his his people around him, and he's having this discussion. Um, we need to talk about this with our people. And he was told, uh, no, no, because everybody's happy right now. Moses, you're gone for so long, right? I mean, that's, that's how the story goes. And Moses, he just grabs his coffee mug that said "stand on it," and and he says, "No, we're gonna we're gonna stand," and, uh, and you know, and therefore. He, he did so. I think principle is you. You got to You got to remember I, you're you're in a culture of sin, and you got to do something with it. I don't think that was biblical. What was? I don't think he had a coffee mug that said stand on. Yes, it. he did. Jesus loves coffee, man. Yeah, but we're talking about Moses. Well, it's he followed him. So <laughs> the, the 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 second thing would be uh, both Ephesians and Colossians oh, talks weird. about um, Christ and His kingship. Um, we cannot forget that we have a king, hmm. and we have a Lord, and we have Uh, scripture talks about the kingship of christ it's not just it's not just the father not just the son not just the holy spirit it's not just a man it's not just a man who became god who uh, this little baby that was born at christmas who died at easter which we're going to celebrate here in just a few weeks Uh, there's a kingship that comes with christ and we have got to stand with that so that that's a principle and and that's that's again an absolute truth right Whether you choose to believe that Jesus was the king, that he's the Lord of lords, the king of kings, whatever, whether you choose to believe that God is on the throne doesn't make it any less true that he is on the throne. Right. That's that's a truth that surpasses all other truth. I mean, that's just is what it is. Culture says, yeah, well, okay, that's great. You want to talk about that. But no, I mean, it's still true. So, So here's some scripture to go with that. It's Ephesians chapter one. So uh, you can like probably replay this or back it up 10 seconds or whatever. But Ephesians chapter 1, 20-22, and then Colossians 1, 16, talks about the kingship of Christ and the importance of that. Third one is this, the church in the world. Um, um, the church in the world, and if you just read 1 John, now we're not reading all these scriptures to you today because there's like way too many, so we're just giving them to you. So it's 1 John 2, 15-17, uh, through 17, and then John 15, 18-19. Uh, John fifteen eighteen through nineteen. Um, talks about the church and the world and what's the role? Uh, the role of the church is to um, oversee the world um, And the world. What's our culture telling us? The church has no place. Mm-hmm. We, we have we have we have no we have nothing to say. We have no stand. We you know, separation of culture and church um no those scriptures tell you there's some guardrails maybe we should talk about guardrails some someday in the podcast but the guardrails are there for the church to keep the world in line and in an order and what happens and what is happening in our culture is those guardrails are are getting wider and sometimes even non-existent correct um so where's the church we've disappeared so the last or the other thing is um you know, we're, we're well, and sometimes we're, the church is the one moving those guardrails. Yeah, let's right. be honest. There, there yeah. are churches, there are denominations that are moving those guardrails out for the culture, and they're removing guardrails that God put there for a reason for the church to hold culture back. Right, and they used to. We used to move the guardrail as a church because we, we wanted to, you know, be seeker sensitive. We wanted to we wanted to make it wide so more church people would or more people would come to church and hear about Christ. Well, we saw how that hasn't worked. Right. That's there's been it's an exodus, actually gone. There, uh, it's been an exodus to the church because of that. Um, so, yeah, people so, people want truth. That, that's this is the thing. This is the the contrary idea to the, what the seeker sensitive model. And, you know, don't don't get mad at us because you like the seeker sense sensitive model. If you're a pastor or a church person, look, it didn't work. It doesn't work. It's very clear it didn't work and it doesn't work. The statistics prove it. The church is is emptying out and it has been emptying out for a long time but here's the reality people want truth they want something that they can stand on right and stand for right they're just confused on what they stand for um uh so so two more uh retreat um what is retreating um john chapter 17 talks all about retreat um and and how do you how do you do that as a church um it, it says retreat for you to Regain connection with God, but what the church has done is now we have to we just have to be honest with this. We've retreated to the point of, yeah, okay, yeah, I can see how that belief, yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. Um, really, no, it it, it doesn't. Um, that's where we get a lot of the social justice type of of thinking and mentality uh, in in our culture. Uh, latest example right here locally, like for us here in Oregon, I'll leave the names out of it because that'll just push somebody over the edge and not be able to get back up on the cliff. But, um, but there's a, uh, a representative that's running for office uh, this November and, you know, they tried to take a stand. They worded it really, really well that they take a stand against um, um, abortion and people were like, Hey, you know, good for you for taking a stand, you know, uh, or no, he, saying that they were uh, pro uh, pro abortion. Um, and it's like, no, no, that's not what I, I said. What I am for, I'm for all medical uh, abortion. I, I, it's up to everybody's individual choice on that. So I'm not against it. I'm not for it. I'm just I'm like, if it's if it's good for you, it's good for you. And the applause from culture on that is like, oh, man, you're so, you know, so great. I'll just tell you, it's it's a it's a representative, um, you know, of the Republican Party and did not help your party at all. You know, you're trying to go right along that that line of, well, you know, I want everybody to like me. No, there's absolute truth in this. Now, I just got really political right there. Sure. Right, but unless you're have eyes and a heart to look at something like that, you'd sit back and go, "Wow, okay, no, this guy is re- Okay, I just said it's a guy. He's hey, retreating. He's retreating here, and scripture says, "Do not retreat. You've got to keep the line in the sand. Um, you you can't you can't just go up to it and." Well, say, okay. I mean, we, we even saw a culture, another cultural example just in the last several days. Um, last weekend, Leah Thomas been in the news a lot. We're not here to attack Leah Thomas one way or the other. But having said that, I did see an article just this week from I believe it was The New York Times. I might be wrong. Correct me. Fact check me, whatever. But uh, I believe it was The New York Times that said um, we are supposed to cheer on Leah Thomas when the reality is a biological male now owns the same records in swimming for men and for women. That is the, that is a, yeah. that is a fact. And they took heat for saying that. And they took it. Well, Bob, Babylon B got in a lot of trouble for, well, you <laughs> for need talking to, about need to drop that name, but which, well, I mean, they've stood up for themselves they on have. it. So good for yeah. them. But, <laughs> um, but here, but here's the thing. Like we've, again, we're taking truth and as the church now, of course, New York times is not the church, but we retreat back and act like, oh, we're, we're supposed to celebrate things that are not real, that are not true. Well, <laughs> right. Then what is true? What is there? There if if absolute truth doesn't exist, then there is no truth. There is no such thing as truth. Mm-hmm. Everything is 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 perspective. Well, that's that doesn't make any logical sense. There has to be things that are absolute, tr- absolutely true, and absolutely false. Yeah. What was your last one? Uh, we'll leave that for later. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it just it just, it, it just takes us way deeper than what we have time to get into. So. Okay. So as we as we come to a close here today, um, there is two sections of scripture that I want us to at least take some time to talk about, and the first one is Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm. Now, this is a, again, we are not trying to make sexual sin the the the, the the biggest part of this, because again, I think truth is the biggest part of this. However, Sodom and Gomorrah were known as places where there was incredibly awful sexual sin taking place. And there is a culture of sinfulness that was permeating the culture within Sodom and Gomorrah. So, But let's just be clear that their Sodom and Gomorrah was also known for way more. Now, you just said this, but I want to make sure that's clear. Yeah. It wasn't just a sexual... They weren't just sexual cities. They were sinful cities. Sinful cities. So, yeah. But whenever we say Sodom and Gomorrah, everyone always jumps to the sexual Sex. sin mm-hmm. because that was clear. I mean, that that happened. They right. they did that. Um, but what was God's reaction? So Lot and his family, they're in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And, uh, and w- what does God do? What does God say to Lot in, re- in terms of Sodom and Gomorrah? What, how does that story go? Okay. So I don't know really what you're looking for on that one. Um, well, retell the whole story, but you know, God, God, first of all, had a heart of compassion. Um, you know, you don't think God's heart can be changed, you know, through prayer Well, here, here it was, it was put off. Um, he was ready to destroy the cities, right? He's ready to go, boom, done. You know, let the fire fall. Um, scripture says, um, but you know, hey Lord, you know, let me go, let, let me go, let me find somebody, you know, and uh, Lord's like, okay, if you can find and you know come back, well, you didn't find any anybody. Well, okay, you go, you if you can find and you know you can't you can't find anybody. So, you want me to tell the end of the story? Well, I mean, here's the here's the point is that God, God, God cares about how we live. God cares about how we live, and he yes he does. He did he was very. Com- I mean, he waited, he waited, he gave an opportunity for a lot to try and find somebody, but ultimately a lot didn't find anybody. Right. So uh, on God's compassionate side, uh, we live in a culture that says, Hey, if you're Christian, uh, you know, to death with you, um, you know, your God is like so unfair, so unjust when in reality is when, when we're lost in sin, God is very compassionate toward us. Um, Uh, I talked with, well, I didn't talk. I made a comment on somebody's social media post, And so if you're watching this today, um, you know who I'm talking about. Um, They were just really giving somebody a bunch of junk and saying, you know, you mess with me once and I'm done with you. I don't believe in second chances. And my response to that was is like, second chances is the foundation of your life. Have you forgotten that? Um, So I'm sure you're going to (laughs) respond to me as a... um, Christian person would respond to me. And uh, and actually, you're going to respond to me as a pastor, not even as a Christian. You're going to look at me and go, okay, because you know who I am, you know what I do, and you know how we grew up together. But um, but the truth of the matter is, is like second chances happen in Sodom and Gomorrah, mm-hmm. and we don't talk about that. Um, we so, just talk about how wrath of God came down and destroyed boom. the cities. And even with with, you know, Leah— Wait, was that the name? Right, Leah the mm-hmm. Swimmer, right? Okay, swimming in both men and in female sports. Um, l- listen, there's a second chance there, right? Sure. Yep. But culture looks at the church and goes, oh, you are just so wrong. How dare you? How? You? No, listen, there is compassion for the Leas of the world. There, there really are. But there's also consequences, and Scripture talks about consequences. And uh, our culture has lost the sense of consequences. Um, so there's there's a title here, right for men and there's a title for women but there's also a title for eternity and our culture has lost sight of that and the church has lost sight of some of those consequences i want to read ephesians 5 for you because i think this is where the crux of the conversation is this is the second scripture we talked about starting in verse 1 of chapter 5 imitate god therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children live a life filled with love following the example of christ that's a that's a weighty thing that paul tells us we need to live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Well, Christ was perfect, so that's like the perfect example, and we're supposed to live like him. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And then he says, this is where we get really frustrated. Let there be no sexual immorality, no impurity, or greed among you. So, yes, sexual sin is a part of it, but that's not all. Impurity and greed is also a part of it. Such sins have no place among God's people. So if you're a Christian today who wants to appease and, and accept sin of any kind and say it's okay, no big deal, that, it's not supposed to be among us. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Now listen to this. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and holy. True. True. And true. So, so, so going back there though, you you know, you you brought up the, this is Ephesians or Galatians? Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians so, five. So Ephesians five. Um, are you going to go to Galatians five? Do you want me to? Yeah, I think okay. so. Let's finish um, there. So as so he's looking up Galatians five, um, the idea there was that, do not be fooled by these things, and and that's where the church. This is where we collide, church with culture. Um, we have been fooled. Uh, and we're being fooled. And and so today, you know, it's, I know it's your lunch hour, but, you know, if you're coming through life and you're looking at culture going like, man, it is so bad. Well, what are you doing to fix it, right? I mean, that's what we're called to do. We're called to fix culture. We're called to let Christ be seen through us to transform the culture. Um, never does he say accept culture and what, what we just read to you is not accepting culture. It's not, it's not making it so easy. Um Now, l- let me just say as a, as a youth pastor and as youth pastors, I guess um, I, I, I can look back at some of my student, my past students lives and they know the truth, right? That they, they were raised under the truth, good Christian homes in a good church with a good youth ministry, and and yet they are living in a homosexual lifestyle. Um they know that is wrong. And yet they have chosen to remove the guardrails of their life and and participate in this. Um we've had multiple people in our our ministries too that have lived in, you know, the the cohabitating type of lifestyle as right. well. Right. So so looking at that, and, and, and people come at us as pastors and go, well, you know, you and your church, you know, you're just so unloving. No, listen, there is still compassion for you. Uh, there's compassion for you whatever addiction you're in, right? It's not just a sexual sin. Um, if you're in a Sodom and Gomorrah moment, there's more to Sodom and Gomorrah than a sexual sin. Um, there's more to this list than just sexual sin. Um, why is sexual sin so big? Because it's so personal. Um, you know, sexual sins are very personal i mean that's well and and in our culture it's it's how we identify ourselves right our sexual uh the whole word identity is so huge right right? i mean our gender our sexual orientation it's how we identify ourselves in our culture today um i don't know if they did in sodom and gomorrah i don't know if that's how they defined themselves but um it certainly was a a way of living life back then so let's finish here with galatians 5 uh, starting in verse 16 So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. We do have a sinful nature. This is really important for us to understand. Our sinful nature tells us to do things or leads us to do things that are incorrect and incompatible with scripture, incompatible with the lifestyle that God is calling us to live. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out, carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear, and here's the list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and then he just wraps it up. Other sins like these, because <laughs> the list goes on. It's not he couldn't possibly give you a full list. See, and and I love that Ephesians five and Galatians five because they go they go hand in hand, and, um, and then we move into the uh, fruits of the spirit. Yeah, and he says, right? let let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but as pastors, we always love the word but in the scripture because it always means there's something coming on the other side. yep um, good or bad exactly in this case good. but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It's the opposite of the sinful nature. when so, we go ahead oh when we when we are living holy lives, when we are living right lives, when we are not being taken in by cultural sin, we produce fruit that is everybody would agree: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are all good things, all good things. But here's the rub of culture: in the church culture, church culture is telling and is screaming so loud that the art or the uh, the fruits of the spirit are everything that is evil. I mean, you have to love, um, you have to, you know, have open arms and open hands and you have to have open beliefs and open face and you have to, you know, uh, love conquers all things. You right? hear that a lot. Um, uh, yeah. The love of Christ conquers all things, not your love of your political platform that or, or covers nothing or, or your sinful lifestyle. Yeah. Or so, somebody else's sinful. So lifestyle. just love, just love them and accept them you're right that you're right. We've got to love them and accept them, but it it's, it's a messy place that we're at as a church and as Christians. So I don't know what church you go to. If you go to our church or another church, if you're not plugged into a church, jump in and get plugged in because you can help transform culture the way Christ created it to be. So, I guess uh, I guess my I guess my final thing would, would just simply be um, creation happened before your culture ever existed, um, and Christ wants us to get back to creation. Um, he He wants us to to live the way we were created, and uh, the way we were created is to have an abundant life with Christ, and we can't have the abundant life with Christ if we're so focused on not offending somebody else because the cross is very offensive. Easter very offensive. If you can go through Easter and not be offended, um you're you're not looking at Easter right. You're not celebrating Easter correctly cuz there is so much offensiveness in the Easter um time frame in in culture that it just turns your stomach. Um so yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I would just I would I would my last word would be <laughs> time's up. Time's up. <laughs> Lunchtime is over. Uh my, my final word would be this. We we as a as a church, and if you're not again, if you're not plugged into church, do that. Um but if you're a believer today and you're listening to this, it is our responsibility to live for truth and stand on the truth found in the word of God. And if we're not doing so, if we're if we're backpedaling constantly and and giving up ground to the culture, we're gonna continue to lose the battle. And eventually we won't lose the war because God promises we won't, but we're always going to be frustrated. We're always going to be spinning in circles like the raccoon did yesterday at the church, which, by the way, if you haven't seen our my Facebook page, you need to go look at that because that was hilarious. But uh, it, we are not called to be back peddlers. We should stand our ground, yep. stand firm and be be confident in what the scripture tells us because the scripture is truth. It is absolute truth what we find in the scripture, and I stand on that. Well, I think we made it. Did yeah, do we make it through this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if anything we said made sense. But hey, I hope so. <laughs> if it didn't, hey, if it didn't make any sense, we're sorry. If it was really offensive, sorry. But at least we gave you scripture to to back up what we said. So yeah. Um. Anyway, so, so we have a new episode next week coming, we do. and uh, we are. <laughs> We're going to take on the Tower of Babel. And it's yeah. really, relate- so we, you know, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah today. Next week, we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel, which yeah. is a really cool story in the scripture um, from way back when. And uh, it actually really relates to what we're trying, what our culture is trying to do today with how spirituality works and, and all of that stuff in achieving your own salvation. So it should be a very interesting conversation. Again, we may offend somebody, but that's okay we're going to stand on scripture so stand yeah. on the word of god so it's okay we're good hey thank you to the hermnas board we appreciate you for allowing us to do this every week uh, or well maybe not every week but almost every week um and uh, we'll see you next week at noon morning burrito at noon at noon the afternoon noon lunch hour be lunch there hour. see ya